1: Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly international news magazine keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear. My name is Libby Halevi. I'm the producer and host, as well as a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island from just one mile away. So I know what can happen when the nuclear so-called experts get it wrong. This week, we mark the 36th anniversary of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island with a special report. It presents, in human terms, what it was like to be on the ground, in proximity, during the first three days of the nuclear accident, how people first learned of it, the early lies and cover-ups, how the media dug into the story instead of whitewashing it, and what even hearing the word evacuation did to that part of the world. Today is Tuesday, March 24th. 2015, and here is an extremely abbreviated version of the week's nuclear news. At Fukushima, scans show no fuel left in Unit 1, and TEPCO says they don't know where in the dickens that melted fuel went. But they're planning to scoop it out with robots that do not yet exist, could break down or, oops, spill that deadly corium where it won't do any good. Tritium density in groundwater increased 17 times over the previous reading at Fukushima, a U.S. model shows that after the March 11, 2011 meltdowns began, radioactive gases from Fukushima skyrocketed to 10 billion times normal levels near Tokyo. Yet, Japan is going to quit radiation testing on 20 kinds of food, including tea, which was recently found to be radioactive in a shipment to Hong Kong. Fukushima fallout on the West Coast hit us hard, causing an increase of 13% in specific birth defects in five Western states. More on that study in next week's show with an interview. At least Japan is permanently decommissioning five nuclear reactors. Forty-three to go. Chernobyl needs another $652 million to complete its new containment structure, but with the Ukraine and Russia at each other's throats, where's that money going to come from? And as if that's not bad enough, Nuclear hot seat, Nuclear hot seat, Nuclear hot seed Nan not a week. Customs agents at an airport in the Lebanese capital of Beirut seized more than half a ton of maxi pads. That's right, feminine hygiene products after radioactive material was detected in the shipment. Ew. 30 crates, 1,221 pounds of feminine hygiene maxi pads – can't believe they weighed them – were confiscated on Friday, March 20th in a shipment that originated in Dubai. That would put radiation up close and personal with the single most vulnerable portion of the human body, women's reproductive systems, and the escape route for the fetus. Officials at Ratik Hariri International Airport said that electronic scanners detected radioactivity in the shipment. Officials said customs agents at the same airport detected radioactivity in a shipment of cell phone covers imported from China in February, thus preventing Lebanese citizens from exposure to two, count them two, separate radiation sources from cell phones. All of which beggars the question, does the United States... Have these electronic scanners to detect radioactivity? And if so, do we have the will to use them? And that's why the United States government, with its willingness to use radioactive scanners on people trying to get on airplanes but not on products trying to get into the country, is this week's... Nuclear
0: hot seat, none that's out of the week.
1: The rest of this week's news will be incorporated into next week's show. We'll have our special report on Three Mile Island anniversary in just a moment. But first, there's good news and there's a challenge. The Uranium Film Festival is coming up in Quebec. And I've been offered a matching grant in order to attend and bring you all the news from filmmakers from around the world who share our dedication to stopping the nuclear juggernaut. Forty-two films will be shown at the same time that an international scientific symposium on uranium issues will be held. And there's also a Canadian political gathering of the prime minister and ministers from all the provinces. So politics, art, and science will be in the same place at the same time, and anything could happen. That's exactly why you want to be able to hear the news up close and personal as it is happening. And as a Nuclear Hot Seat listener, you deserve to hear about this firsthand. That's what I am dedicated to doing for you. Just like I brought back the news from Dr. Caldecott's Symposium on Nuclear Weapons a few weeks ago, and am today bringing you a unique anniversary report on Three Mile Island, I will get you up close and personal with the players and the movers and the shakers at the Uranium Film Festival. Here's the challenge. The grant I've been given will just about cover my airfare. But then there are the other expenses required for me to stay there, like hotel room, food, you know, like that. So if you would like to help me take a place at the table and report directly back to you everything that's going on, please go to NuclearHotSeat.com, scroll down on the home page, and click on the big red Donate button. If you did try in the last week and were unable to get a credit card donation through, know that this ill-timed problem has been fixed with PayPal and things are running as they should be. Any amount will help and be deeply appreciated. And now, a Nuclear Hot Seat exclusive report, Three Mile Island Anniversary, 36 years and counting. What we forget is the fear. In the wake of Fukushima... We in the Movement for Nuclear Sanity and the media will often refer to the nuclear accident that took place at Three Mile Island, which happened on March 28, 1979. But we don't really discuss it or even consider it in any detail. There are undoubtedly listeners to Nuclear Hot Seat who weren't even born then and don't know much about this accident other than what they've heard so often from the media, the government, and the industry. It happened. Nobody died. No big deal. And then, if this person is in a nuclear conversation, we'll move the discussion to the more obvious horrors of Chernobyl or Fukushima. But I cannot forget Three Mile Island, because I was there, literally one mile away, visiting an old friend who had recently moved to the area. The first day... I was ignorant of the accident because I was alone in my friend's house doing some writing and not listening to radio or television. By not paying attention to the media, I missed the initial warnings, which sounded like this. An accident in the water cooling system at the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, forced the company to call a general emergency and shut down part of the plant for an unspecified period. Just two days later, Walter Cronkite, the most trusted newsman in America, started a special report on Three Mile Island on CBS like this.
2: The world has never known a day quite like today. It faced the considerable uncertainties and dangers of the worst nuclear power plant accident of the atomic age. And the horror tonight is that it could get much worse. It is not an atomic explosion that is feared. The experts say that is impossible. But the specter was raised of perhaps the next most serious kind of nuclear catastrophe, a massive release of radioactivity. The Nuclear Regulator- Regulatory Commission cited that possibility with an announcement that while it is not likely, the potential is there for the ultimate risk of a meltdown at the Three Mile Island Atomic Power Plant outside Harrisburg,
3: Pennsylvania.
1: But by the time Cronkite's announcement hit the airwaves, much had happened that set the course for the accident, the bungled follow-up, and the trail of lies that followed. The nuclear accident at Three Mile Island began at 4 a.m. on Wednesday, March 28, 1979, with failures in the non-nuclear secondary system, followed by a stuck open valve, which allowed large amounts of nuclear reactor coolant to escape. The mechanical failures were compounded by the initial failure of plant operators to recognize the situation as a loss of coolant accident due to inadequate training and human factors. In particular, a hidden indicator light led to an operator manually overriding the automatic emergency cooling system of the reactor because the operator mistakenly believed that there was too much coolant water present in the reactor and causing the steam pressure release. Arnie Gunderson of Fairwinds Energy Education and a familiar supportive presence to the anti-nuclear movement was a nuclear industry insider at the time of Three Mile Island. He has since come to be one of the world experts in exactly what took place. The big questions he addresses are, how bad was the accident from the start? What radiation was released into the environment? Should an evacuation have been ordered, and if so, when? The following audio of Arnie is taken from a video on Fairwinds.com entitled, Three Myths of Three Mile Island. Be aware that there is music in the background, Coming from a marching band that was playing in the lobby of the hotel, when this symposium took place.
2: Around seven o'clock in the morning, an engineer and his supervisor, using an approved procedure, calculated that the exposure in Goldsboro might be as high as 10 R an hour. Now, it was an approved procedure, and people had worked on it for years, and it was actually a TMI. Unit One procedure. So this is not a, a new procedure, and by the procedure, an evacuation was required. There is no doubt that by the, the written process that people, not in a crisis situation, had available to them by seven seven thirty in the morning, an evacuation was required. At seven thirty, TMI called the state and told them they had 10 R an hour, but TMI's position was that it seemed too conservative. They said the pressure wasn't high enough. Well, within the calculation, there was no pressure dependency. So basically they went outside the realm in a crisis situation, as opposed to letting the procedure govern how you should be working your way through. What they did not tell the state in that 7.30 phone call is that employees working outside had already begun to receive exposures. There's, uh, there's at least one case of an exposure of 20 millirams to an employee who was out on the grounds before 7.30 in the morning. They did not tell the state that already almost every radiation detector in the plant was off-scale.
1: According to Arne Gunderson, A helicopter flew to Goldsboro, directly west of the Three Mile Island plant, at about 7.30 in the morning and reported that it found no radiation. But there are problems with that evaluation. It was a very calm day, and the helicopter actually got to Goldsboro before a plume would have gotten there. So had radiation been coming, the plume would have been very narrowly focused, If the helicopter were off by as little as six degrees, meaning not directly in the center of the plume, the readings could have been off by a factor of 10,000 in the dose recorded. Finally, the helicopter actually arrived on site at 8.30 in the morning, not at 7.30 as was initially reported. Around this time, in the control room of the reactor, Frightened engineers and plant operators tried to figure out what to do. What follows is a recording from a dictaphone that was either accidentally or intentionally left on and recorded what the people we count on in a nuclear accident sound like as they try to figure out what to do. The sound quality is not good, but listen closely as they discuss the problem and briefly consider the possibility of evacuation.
4: Yeah. You know,
5: But I must say, it's operating totally in the blind, and I don't have any confidence at all that in we order of evacuation, we won't move people uh, a place where they've already gotten a piece of the dose that they going to get into an area where they will get uh, you know, another piece. You know, they will yeah. add 0.5 of what they were going to get, and now they move someplace else to get 1.0. I uh, so. do. I think I me, mean, I've got to call the governor. Sir, I do. I think you've got to talk uh, to him immediately. Do uh, do it immediately. We're operating almost totally in the blind
1: admitted they were operating almost totally in the blind. And it was on that basis that they decided not to call an evacuation. Mary Stamos is a longtime resident of Middletown, Pennsylvania. She lived and still lives only six and a half air miles from the facility and was directly in the center of the trajectory of the plume, though she did not know it at the time.
5: I went into the driveway, and it was really strange because the air was filled with metal, and I didn't know if I was breathing it or tasting it, but I just looked around, and I couldn't figure out what what was going on. And the thing that was really strange, it was a beautiful, sunny morning, and there were no birds when the birds were chirping all over the place the day before. And I just wondered, you know, what was going on, but I had no clue.
1: While Mary Stamos had no clue, neither did the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Peter Bradford was an NRC commissioner at the time and had previously worked closely with Ralph Nader. Here are his recollections of that morning.
6: On the morning of the 28th of March, the commissioners received some level of notification, and I don't remember now just what level it was, but it was... Not a dramatic notification, simply that something unusual had happened at the plant. If I'm remembering correctly, it was a form of notification that we probably got five or six times a year with regard to events at nuclear plants. It was an indication that something out of the ordinary had happened, but it gave no hint of the severity of the uh, events at Three Mile Island.
1: Army Gunderson pointed to a second window of opportunity for an evacuation to be ordered between 10 and 11 in the morning.
2: The next time I suggest would be a a good time to have evacuated is around 10 o'clock in the morning between 10 and 11. By then, they knew that core thermal couples, that's a device to measure temperature inside the core, were measuring 2,100 degrees. Well, normally they measure about 500 degrees, and 2100 degrees indicates that the fuel rods are entering something called a water reaction. Fuel rods are made of zirconium, and they scavenge oxygen out of H2O, so the oxygen gets pulled out of the H2O, releasing hydrogen. So by 10 o'clock in the morning, they knew that there was hydrogen being generated. There was not enough cooling or no cooling going through the core. Also, by 10 um, o'clock, they had cooling pumps, which are massive, Uh, 3,000 to 4,000 horsepower pumps. And the uh, average for those pumps was very low. And that's an indication that they're not pumping water. It's an indication they're pumping steam or air. And the next thing is that in in a pressurized water reactor, they have neutron monitors in the core, but they have neutron monitors outside of the nuclear reactor, and the neutron monitors outside of the nuclear reactor were reading very high levels of neutrons. But what that means is that there was no water to moderate the neutrons. Even if the reaction was shut down, there were still more neutrons than they had ever experienced outside the core, and that's an indication that the core had lost its order and, um, and was uncovered. Again around 10 o'clock. The radiation monitors in the dome of the containment were at lethal levels, thousands of R an hour. Again, an indication that fuel is breaking down. And around 10 o'clock in the morning, health physics asked the plant management to evacuate the auxiliary building. So all these things were
1: happening, and yet the state wasn't told that things were really out of control. The state wasn't told. The NRC wasn't told. And we, the people we not told. The plant manager at Three Mile Island at the time was a man named Denny Miller. Arnie relayed what Miller had to say over the next few years about what was going on in that time frame. Note that everything he says as a quote he has substantiated with footnotes in a report that is up on TMIA, the Three Mile Island Alerts website. The plant
2: matter at the time was a guy named Miller, and here's what he had to say over the next couple years about what was going on in that time frame. They were hot enough that they scared you, and he was talking about the in-core temperature. Well, if you're scared, one would think that an evacuation might be in order. Pretty early, they were scared. Radiation was all over the place. Everything was off-scale. Another indication. If you're scared, it's about time to at least tell the civilians that it's time to time to move out. And finally, we were not in our minds convinced that the Corps was totally covered. It's another indication that it's time to, to let the civilians know to, to head for the hills, and it didn't happen. This was uh, uh, another interesting quote. We don't know where the hell the plant was going. Now, Miller said that in a phone call to Parsippany, Parsippany was the headquarters office, at 7.30 in the morning. And it was pretty clear in my mind that Miller was suggesting we should go to a general emergency, and the people in Parsippany talked them down to a site service. He changed his tune.
1: We will have an interesting footnote on site manager Denny Miller at the end of this special report. What was going on in the outside world while all this was happening inside Three Mile Island? Arnie Gunderson reports on an email he received about one year ago.
4: Since I've been talking about Fukushima, I got an email that brought me to tears. It was a, a woman who was in 10th grade at the time of the accident, and she was in chemistry, and they were studying radiation, and they had a Geiger counter hanging out the window for the entire semester. They walk into the class at 10 o'clock on the morning of the accident, and the Geiger counter is pegged. So the teacher goes to the, 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 the phone as a responsible citizen. He calls Governor Thornburg and tells him, look, I'm in Middleburg. I've got a pegged Geiger counter here. What should I do? And Governor Thornburg's office told this, uh, this, this high school teacher, uh, don't do anything. We know all about it. So they kept the kids in school, and, and who got evacuated were the kids, some people who worked at the power plant. They all came by and grabbed their kids and got out of there, but the kids that uh, that didn't have the inside scoop wound up staying in Middletown and, and, uh, and got high exposure.
1: At about this same time, Mary Stamos received first word that there was a real problem down at the end plant.
5: Around 10.30 the morning of the accident, I got a phone call from my sister-in-law and she worked for an environmental group and there were attorneys there that were members of Three Mile Island Alert. And she said they told her that something had happened at Three Mile Island. The plant was shut down. They had some type of an accident. So I heard about it hours later after the metallic taste. I thought I was far enough away that it wouldn't be a problem. At
1: 1220, the NRC called TMI and asked, what is the temperature in the core? TMI got back to them shortly thereafter and they said, we don't know, the computer is printing question marks. They said, that means that the computer is messed up. In fact, question marks meant that the temperature in the core was over 700 degrees. They did not know how high, but they knew it was high, and that was another indication of a meltdown in progress. A couple of minutes before two, there was a hydrogen explosion. Now, the industry will call it a hydrogen burn, but it was a hydrogen explosion. This from a newscast at the time.
4: It roared uh, with a a tremendous uh, roar of releasing steam. It woke me up, uh, and uh, I looked out the window, and I saw this uh, huge column going up in the air and roaring.
1: The NRC was not informed of this explosion until two days later. The following is transcribed from Arnie Gunderson's presentation, Three Myths of Three Mile Island. He said, Plant manager Miller was in the control room at the time based on affidavits from four reactor operators. They all said Miller knew about it. The control room shook. Now, when your building starts shaking, I think that is about the last indication you need that you really should let the civilians know to head for the hills. After that, it was unconscionable that an evacuation was not ordered on that first day. Of course, the official response from Three Mile Island and other industry officials was typical.
4: Everything is under control. There is and was no danger to public health and safety. There was a small release of radiation to the environment. All safety equipment functioned properly. Edison has been monitoring the air in the vicinity of the plant constantly since the incident. No increase in normal radiation levels has been detected. The situation is more complex than the company first led us to believe. We are taking more tests, and at this point, we believe there is still no danger to the public health. Uh, We have absolutely no question about the safety of nuclear.
1: nuclear accident because it was not bad. And uh, as I say, all these systems went into operation as they should have. So when is a nuclear accident not a nuclear accident? Apparently when the nuclear industry says so. None of the tumult going on within Three Mile Island, none of the damage None of the information that Arnie Gunderson presented on the 30th anniversary of the accident was known to the outside world at that time. Mary Stamos.
5: The evening news had Walter Cronkite on, and I missed all of what he said, but I had heard shortly after that that they were talking about this nuclear accident at Three Mile Island. And then the next morning, my neighbor worked at the hotel near me and she would come by for coffee and we didn't talk. And she told me on Thursday morning, the second day of the accident, I mean, this is like 6 a.m. in the morning, that reporters were calling from all over the world to make reservations to stay at the hotel because of the accident. And, you know, we weren't told it was anything serious. The evening newspaper on March 28th said, low levels of radiation escape after end plant reactor pump fails. Leak poses no danger to the populace. Later in the afternoon, Thursday afternoon, Lieutenant Governor goes on television and says that, you know, the accident at Three Mile Island uh, told us that there'd be no problem, they would be able to restart in a couple of days. And then later, he comes back on television, like within an hour or so. And he says, we've been misled. Uh, We've been lied to. The nuclear accident is more severe than we have been led to believe. We were told to close our doors and windows. When I heard that, that's when I got really scared because I had heard from bomb fallout victims, you know, the, the history and the story of Utah and Nevada and other nuclear places where they're told to close their doors and windows. If nothing is happening, you can breathe the air, but they told us to close our doors and windows, and that was Thursday afternoon, and I started to really get worried. On the other
1: hand, I wasn't worried at all. That's because I continued to ignore the media, dismissing the little bit I'd heard as an overblown menial response to that little problem down at the end plant. Of course, it did not stop me from declaring myself as a member of that self-same media because I was a freelancer, close to a big story, and I wanted to capitalize upon it. The second day of the accident, as the reactor invisibly leaked radioactivity into the environment, I walked over a mile into Middletown, breathing deeply of the Pennsylvania springtime air, completely ignorant of the possible danger to which I was exposing myself. I stood around outside interviewing people, waited half an hour on a corner for a bus, then met up with my friend in Harrisburg for dinner. Over a carafe of wine, she told me half the people in her office had already left, and weren't they overreacting? I agreed, and then the two of us made our way back to the house, walking back from the bus stop. The third day of the accident, Friday, March 30th, I was alone in the house working on a musical, coincidentally entitled Armageddon, when I heard a bullhorn going down the street in front of the house, issuing the same warning as was heard at Fukushima. Stay indoors, close your doors and windows, and do not go outside unless you absolutely have to. Here's why. 6.40
2: this morning and lasted until 9 o'clock. Another unexpected and substantial release of radiation into the atmosphere from reactor number 2. It produced a huge cloud of radioactive xenon gas and radiation levels 10 times the amount considered safe for the general public to be exposed to in a full
6: year. The new information is this. Accidents and ionized radiation beaming through the plant's four foot thick walls. Consequently, the metal shield that protects the nuclear fuel may have been damaged.
1: Suddenly, everything I had been made afraid of during the Cold War as coming from the Russians was threatening my life from just one mile away, courtesy my own government. There was nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. For all I knew, the radiation level was so high that, in effect, I was already dead. Former NRC Commissioner Peter Bradford.
6: The commission did not become aware of the seriousness of the event until Friday morning when we learned that there had been radiation measured by a helicopter flying over the plant site. And no one seemed to have a good explanation of what the source of that radiation was whether it was likely to get worse, whether there were likely to be other releases. So for the first time, the commission had to focus on both notifying the rest of the federal government and formulating a recommendation for the governor of Pennsylvania as to what, if any, level of evacuation he should order. You know, I don't remember much about the debate among the commissioners. I know the consensus that we reached was to recommend the evacuation of pregnant women and children under the age of five from within a five-mile radius.
1: Outside Three Mile Island, all was bedlam and chaos. But at least the world's reporters were on the job.
6: What's it been like here uh, since Wednesday? Conflicting statements from the governor's office, the NRC here, the NRC in Washington, and the company, Metropolitan Edison, that owns the plant. There's been a severe communications problem uh, getting information back to Washington. I was there. A... I think we're very close to a, a chaotic situation. Part of it, I think, is a lack of credibility of what we're being told. Part of it's the confusion that's coming forth. I think it's inexcusable that we leave a private utility in full command of the situation. Uh, being advised and pulled and tugged and fragmented by the structure there.
4: How can you say it's not an accident when radiation
1: is being detected as far away as 16 miles? The accident did not occur inside uh, the reactor in the slightest. It was a uh, a feed pump uh, connected to the turbine.
6: Hydraulics of the core have to be carefully monitored. So we're looking very carefully at the way the Afghan intends to get the core to a cold
1: shutdown condition. Uh, there's no relationship between that and what is thought of as a nuclear accident. One of the more bald-faced examples of nuclear double talk and obfuscation. Middletown resident Mary Stamos.
5: The next morning, around 8:30 or 9:30, all of a sudden. I heard sirens ringing and the church bells were ringing, which I never heard like this, and all of the sirens were ringing in this area. And I turned the TV on. I didn't see anything. Then I turned my radio on, and I hear the newscaster, Ron Drake, talking about having uncontrolled radiation releases from Three Mile Island. And that's when I really started to panic. And a little bit later... The one person, I don't know who it was that we consider him a hero, he turned the sirens on in Harrisburg and the people started to panic and they were hearing all the news about what was happening. And then the governor, Thornburg, was kind of forced into talking about radiation, you know, and the exposure that people might be getting. Based on advice of the chairman of the NRC, of the
6: diagnosis. I am advising those who may be particularly susceptible to the effects of any radiation, that is pregnant women and preschool age children, to leave the area within a five mile radius of the Three Mile Island facility
5: until further notice. And, and like I said, I'm six and a half miles away, but I was still worried. The whole idea of being able to
4: Are advising the people on the basis of information, on the basis of a recommendation from the chairman of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, that they simply ought to stay indoors as a precautionary measure, you know, until they hear further word from yeah. it. Is that simple? Yeah, a lot of people are leaving the
3: Harrisburg area right now. Uh, my own family's on the way to New York City right now to stay with relatives. Uh, a lot of people, the gas stations are flooded, the banks were busy, people were throwing some of their money so they could get out of here.
5: I didn't have a car that morning so I talked to my neighbor and she said that um, we could go to her mother's house. So I got my son ready, I went to school to get my daughter out of school and her teacher was really upset because she had children that she couldn't go get until all her children from the school were leaving. So when we got to the school, got my daughter and then we went to my friend's mother's home That was about 10 miles, and then my husband was still out of town. He worked at a telephone company, and when he tried to call, he couldn't even get through. The phone lines were so jammed.
1: I had the exact same problem trying to call out. There was this weird siren sound
5: on the line that wouldn't let me get through. Oh, wow. My friends finally
1: did get through to me on the phone, which had been jammed with no lines available. They picked me up and we evacuated to a friend of theirs who lived 150 miles away, which we hoped was far enough. I stayed there for the next 10 days and then flew out, away from Harrisburg, away from Middletown, away from Three Mile Island. So I missed having a community of people who together were able to process what had happened to them, commiserate with each other, and get angry in a legal way at the powers that be at Three Mile Island. I also missed the worst of the follow-up information.
5: When I got my daughter ready to go back to school the one morning, um, I was brushing her hair, and she had thick, lovely hair, blondish, and uh, a whole lot of hair came out in the hairbrush. And it kind of freaked me out. I gave my son a little bath, and I saw a whole lot of hair in the tub, which I never had experienced before. And when I looked at his scalp, I could see his scalp, and it wasn't solid hair. And I didn't think a whole lot of it because I thought when radiation caused hair fallout, I thought you would be bald. I didn't know until a couple years later that you could just have a certain degree of hair loss. I didn't know what was going to happen to us in the future if we'd all get cancer or whatever
1: other post three-mile island problems noticed and documented by Mary Stamos include a sudden growth spurt in some of her plants as much as four inches in less than a week mutated flowers branching out into multiples that did not previously exist in nature a rose that grew out of the middle of another rose but with no reproductive components visible on either of them. And dandelion leaves that were three feet long. These are all evidence of a process known as fasciation, which are mutations in plant life following exposure to radiation. Fasciation has also been observed at Fukushima and Chernobyl. At Three Mile Island, animal mutations and animal deaths followed.
5: There was a lady at one of the first meetings I ever attended, the public NRC meeting. She stood up and asked a question of the NRC, or MedEd, the Metropolitan Edison, the TMI owners. And she wanted to know when they were going to pay her for the, her losses of animals. And she had a dog kennel or a poodle kennel, and her poodles was born with no eyes. It had eye sockets, but no eyes, and she lived right down across the street from Three Mile Island. They paid her every penny that she asked for, but she was not allowed to talk about it.
1: Mary Stamos became and remains involved with Three Mile Island Alert. In the wake of the accident, learning that there was no epidemiological follow-up to determine the impact of the accident on the health of local residents, she and others from the group went door-to-door in the evacuation area asking questions about people's health. She was shocked to learn that more than 50% of the people who lived within a five-mile radius of the nuclear reactors at Three Mile Island had moved away within the past five years, though one can hardly blame them. One final story from Mary.
5: The Nuclear Regulatory Commission and Three Mile Island would come and have all these meetings, and people would talk about their problems, and they kept insisting, that radiation wasn't the cause, but they never once said what it would have been. They blamed the health department here and the government, blamed a lot of it on stress. I mean, I never had metallic taste before, but I had stress before.
1: I've never heard of an animal mutating because of stress.
5: As for the legal follow-up, citizens
1: succeeded in a class action suit against Three Mile Island, winning $25 million in an out-of-court settlement. Part of this money was used to create the TMI Public Health Fund. In 1983, a federal grand jury indicted the public utility, Metropolitan Edison, on criminal charges for the falsification of safety tests prior to the accident. But under a plea bargaining agreement, MET Ed pleaded guilty to one count of falsifying records and no contest to six other charges, four of which were subsequently dropped. They agreed to pay a $45,000 fine and set up a $1 million account to help with emergency planning in the area surrounding the nuclear reactors. Note that $1 million is approximately the profit on one nuclear reactor operating for one day. So it seems that MetEd got off very cheaply. According to Eric Epstein, chair of Three Mile Island Alert, the Three Mile Island plant operator and its insurers paid approximately $82 million in publicly documented compensation to local businesses and residents for, quote, loss of business revenue, business expenses, and health claims. According to long-time anti-nuclear and pro-solar activist Harvey Wasserman, hundreds of -of out-of-court settlements have been reached with alleged victims of the fallout, with a total of $15 million paid out to parents of children born in the area with birth defects. However, a large class action lawsuit intended to compensate victims for long-term detrimental health effects was rejected by a Harrisburg Federal District Court judge. The question remains, what caused the accident at Three Mile Island to start in the first place? A tantalizing interpretation is offered by Scott Portsline of Three Mile Island Alert, who has studied over 40,000 pages of technical documents relating to the accident and has come to some startling conclusions. When the accident happened, he was away in Greenland on tour with a band and only started questioning what happened upon his return.
3: The first thing I asked when I got back was, what happened? What caused this? Because I was pro-nuclear, and I thought this couldn't happen. And the answers came back that uh, one of the suspicions in, that was in the newspapers was that it might have been sabotage. Well, I didn't pay any attention to that until about five years later, and that's when I started investigating security issues at nuclear plants when I found some of the actual investigators did suspect sabotage at Three Mile Highland. When I found out that some of those rumors had a little bit of credence, rather than going on a wild goose chase with criminal matters, I went to the National Archives and other public document rooms and read the uh, Kennedy Commission Report, also known as the President's Commission investigation on Three Mile Island, and found out that they had actually sent a letter to the FBI requesting a sabotage investigation because of some of the suspicious activity. And so when I go back to 1984, when I first started this research, it sucked me right in because I thought, this is really interesting. I might be looking into a little bit of a mystery here.
1: Scott mentions just a few of the items that led to a suspicion of sabotage at Three Mile Island.
3: There were two main points that caused the original investigators to suspect sabotage from the President's Commission. One of them was the fact that the accident began to the one-year anniversary of Startup to the minute, not just that day, but to the minute at exactly 4 o'clock in the morning is when the first thing went wrong. And that alone caused the investigators for the NRC to ask questions about, were you guys celebrating, were you drinking, or what was going wrong here? And, of course, the operators said they only had coffee and donuts and really didn't make much note of the anniversary date. And another thing that happened that caused a lot of concern with the President's Commission was the emergency feed water valve had been shut off. And and without those feedwater valves, the steam generators boiled dry within two minutes. And when that happened, that's what allowed the uh, fuel to melt because there's no longer the removal of heat from the reactor.
1: One of the more troubling findings of the President's Commission that Scott discovered was that the emergency feedwater valves, which send water to the steam generators, were closed.
3: Those are required to be open at all times. And for them to be closed like that was a no-no, and everybody knew that. Also, they would have been closed for at least two days, according to what the NRC concluded, that during a test two or three days beforehand, The operators had to close those, run a test, and then forgot to open them. But the operators said they did open them, and they signed a paper saying that they did open them. And it would also require six shift changes of control room operators not to see on their control panels that these very important valves were closed. That's very highly unlikely, and it looks suspicious. So the folks at the President's Commission, the technical investigators, actually asked for a list of employees who might have had grievances against the company who would have done something like that.
1: Scott line is clear that if the Three Mile Island accident were started by sabotage, the ultimate severity of the accident was not what the saboteurs had in
5: mind.
3: Sabotage was just the triggering event in this crisis, this core melt if my theory is correct and other people who agree with it including some of the original investigators the saboteurs did not do enough to cause the accident to get as bad as it did and that there were design problems and certainly operator errors but i have a list of nine or ten things that still should be investigated for sabotage in fact some of those things can still be analyzed if somebody was willing to do that within the company or the FBI or the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. I think they were only able to trigger it rather than actually causing a radiological release.
1: The issues Scott Portsline raises are too many and too complex to be addressed in this special report, so we will have a featured interview with him on this topic in the very near future. As for me, My journey back from the terror of Three Mile Island took years. It included an ongoing experience of post-traumatic stress before we knew the term, compulsive overuse of alcohol and food, and the decision not to have children rather than risk giving birth to mutants. So when pro-nuclear forces state nobody died at Three Mile Island, I suggest they have that conversation with my children none of whom I ever had. What we forget is the fear that people experienced when they knew there was an out-of-control nuclear reactor. This fear raged along the East Coast, where people jammed highways fleeing the Middletown-Harrisburg area. People in New York evacuated to New England, and people in New England wondered if they were far enough away. That was everyone's worry. Fortunately, back then, the media was not yet in a multinational corporation stranglehold, and reporters were able to report with honesty, clarity, anger, and little interference. Walter Cronkite anchored a particularly fine and angry special report on CBS, portions of which were heard in this report and which are up on YouTube. People felt threatened, angered, outraged each one of those feelings a proper response to a nuclear accident. We need to remember the fear because it was that fear created by Three Mile Island that compounded the financial problems the industry was already having and stopped them dead in their tracks for 30 years. It moved people to wake up to the nuclear danger, to turn their fear into anger and outrage, and then into action against the commercial nuclear power industry. As a result, no new nuclear reactors were licensed between 1979 until 2011, when decades of pro-nuclear, highly subsidized public relations and disinformation campaigns finally took over in the public's mind. We, the people, have been sold a toxic bill of goods that nuclear is, according to them, clean, green, and sustainable, when in truth, it is the most deadly form of energy generation ever invented. So what caused the meltdown at Three Mile Island? Intentional sabotage, operator error, equipment failure, incompetent management, nuclear hubris by a money-hungry utility or all of the above. It makes no difference. Those possibilities I just mentioned are the particulars. At this moment, I don't know which ones prevailed, or why, or in which order, nor do I care. The point is that it wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. And now it has more than once. Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, Fukushima, with smaller accidents and ongoing incidents every year, every month, sometimes even every week. It happens in near misses and covered-up hits all the time. Will it happen again? How could it not? If something happens once, it is an accident. Twice, it becomes a pattern. Three times is triangulation of a truth. It sets a trajectory that plots the course for what's going to happen in the future. People are remarkably consistent, so are technological breakdowns. If it happens once, it can happen again. If it happens in one place, it can happen someplace else. History may not repeat itself in the particulars, but in terms of the impact, it will rhyme. These three acknowledged nuclear accidents were just warnings, the harbingers of what inevitably will come. How bad can it get? You don't want to know. Maybe I got hit with radiation. Maybe the plume missed me. But the stress alone was enough to trigger a breakdown in my health and rob me of years and richness of experience. Remember that fear because it is exactly what any one of us will be feeling when the sirens go off and announce a new accident has happened at a nuclear reactor. We have our hands full with what's left over from Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, and certainly the ongoing horror that is Fukushima. I pray we never have another accident that adds to that litany of shame. The last thing any anti-nuclear activist wants to be able to say is, I told you so. But we are none of us safe as long as nuclear reactors continue to operate and generate radioactive waste with a half-life of tens of thousands of years. The appropriate response to the threat posed by any nuclear reactor or bomb or weapons manufacturing plant or mining facility is fear. But fear is an emotional energy. Turn that energy that you may be feeling into anger and then use the energy of your anger to fuel action to stop the horror. What is at stake is nothing less than the future of life on Earth itself. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, March 24, 2015. Our thanks for the Three Mile Island Anniversary Special. Go to Fairwinds Energy Education at fairwinds.org with gratitude to Arnie Gunderson. Scott Portsline of TMI Alert for help with tech as well as his perspective on the accident. TMI Alert member Mary Stamos, former Nuclear Regulatory Commissioner Peter Bradford, and the Nuclear Hot Seat Facebook community. Theme music written by me, sung by Marilee Weber, and we're going out today on a song from Armageddon, The Living End. Only One Mile from Three Mile Island. Lyric written by me, music by Grady, and yes, that's me attempting to impersonate Marlena Dietrich. Nuclear Hot Seat is syndicated by UCY.tv and is also available on AirProgressive.com. Our archive is available on iTunes. You can subscribe under podcasts or just check us out on the website, nuclearhotseat.com. And welcome to WUUV.org, the Unitarian Universalist station now online and soon to broadcast in Charlotte County, Florida, for joining the Nuclear Hot Seat Network. Nuclear Hot Seat is the activist voice on nuclear issues, so if you have a story lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email to info at nuclearhotseat.com. We are copyright 2015, Libby Halebi and Hardest Street Communications. All rights reserved, but fair use allowed as long as proper attribution is provided. This is Libby Halebi of Hardest Street Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, and Fukushima are all our nuclear wake-up calls. So don't go back to sleep because we are still in the nuclear hot seat. Only one mile from sweet mile Island
0: I had me a terrible date. It messed up my calm. It was almost a bomb and the name of that bastard was fate. Our girlfriend from Boston had moved and got lost in that small townish mania of South Pennsylvania. I needed a vacation. Some crazed recreation. I called, she said, Yes, how could anyone guess that in five days we'd know what came to pass when a nuclear power plant belched and got gas? Only one mile from Three Mile Island, I had me a terrible day. It messed up my car, It's almost a bomb, and the name of that bastard was fate. All the day fate intruded, I hung out quite looted, till hunger that bore made me run to the store. There the clerk told some stranger that there was no danger. There are no effects, they much worse than an x-ray, when I asked. What they spoke about that day. She said nuclear plant goo. about one mile that way. Only one mile from three mile island. I had me a terrible date. It messed up my car. It was almost a bomb. And the name of that bastard was fate. Well, quite unlike Nero, I stood at ground zero, a pawn in the terror of nuclear error. I stared in the mirror as madness drew nearer. It wasn't pretending the future was ending. I stared at my face without surprise. Just sadness to see the world yeah. end in my eyes. Mm. Oh, Only I one mile from three mile line, I, I had the terrible day. face. It, it messed, messed up my, my car, it was almost a bomb, and the name of that bastard was fate. Fake. Fake. Velvey left my vacation. In evacuation And drove to a farm Where the vault did no harm It's the news on the telly My knees turned to jelly Cause I learned from TV What had happened to me While the government Tells me I'm all right What do I tell my chromosomes Late every night Only one mile from three island. I my car was The name Only one mile from I had to a terrible day. day. It, it messed up day. my ah. car was